Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. I am excited for our conversation today with Maria Penner, but before we get into it, I just want to give a shout out to Relay. Have you subscribed to Relay yet? If you haven't, you should. We had a bunch of great calls this week, audio and video content with the team. We did a full CIM preview. It almost took as long as it's going to take the leader to run CIM. It was almost an hour and a half with me, Peter Promka, and Kafuzi. And we also did a follow-up to the OTQ Marathon announcement for Orlando, which will be February 3rd, 2024. We did an hour on that as well. So much good stuff over on Relay. Head over to patreon.com forward slash relay in addition to that you can also hit up the show notes but with that said i'm doing this podcast intro live maria penner's looking at me when are we going to talk about me maria (laughs) let's do it let's do it (laughs) thank you for coming on the show i really appreciate it thank you for having me i am a huge fan of yours so i'm a big nerd and i'm really excited well hey nerds (laughs) unite because i'm a big fan of yours as you know (laughs) been following your running for a long time. You've seen me liking your Instagram posts and giving you shout outs every once in a while. You are crushing it. You're someone who's run not a handful of marathons, but a ton of half marathons. Yeah. I mean, just an enormous amount of half marathons. Also, you live north of the border. Where are you coming to us from I'm coming from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And that is, we're just kind of like near North Dakota. So Grand Forks, Fargo, we're about two to three hours from there. So North, North yes. Dakota. So really gotcha. cool. Gotcha. All right. Or North or, or North Dakota can just be South. South. Yeah, Monday. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, hey, thank you for coming on the show. We've had a number of Canadians here on the show, which is always, which is always fun. Um, with that said, you just recently ran the New York City Marathon, a day that a lot of people, boy, a lot of people were struggling through that sucker. And I saw a lot of people that were curious. They wanted to hear from the everyday amateur runner about what their experience was. And I was really excited to get you on here, not only because I've been following your running for a long time and you're doing really interesting things, but you negative split this sucker. You did something that not many people did. So, I mean, splitting, negative splitting a marathon is incredibly hard. Negative splitting a hilly marathon is even harder. Negative splitting a hilly, hot, and human marathon. Oh, my gosh. That is the trifecta. <laughs> so, Maria, congratulations. But let's just bring it back real quick. You hadn't run a marathon in a few years. So, obviously, COVID was related to that. But can you just tell us like kind of what, in that three-year window since your last marathon, kind of what was happening in your running life and, and what, why, I guess, why New York City 2022? So um, I had just, my first marathon I ran in 2018 and I fell in love with the distance. Like immediately it was basically like love at first sight, so to speak. Like I know that there are people who dread the long runs and I feel that something magical happens on every long run where there's a sense of accomplishment, a sense of emptying the soul, so to speak. But I, I got addicted to the long the long distance, like right away. So 2018 uh, was my first marathon. Then I did 2019. And then obviously pandemic happened early 2020. Um, there were lots of virtuals happening, uh, but I continued to work with my coach during that time. And he really encouraged me to not do any virtual marathons. Um, but we did continue to train. We continued to do time trials, but shorter distances, like 13.1 and under. 
So I, I definitely was consistent. If anything, I ran my highest volume during that time because I was working from home. So I had the, like, that's basically like three hours um, less in your day dedicated to work, um, which really allowed me to run longer, run more. So I built a really strong base. Um, I actually did run the Phoenix Mesa Marathon in February of this year, which was a unique experience because I had trained pretty much exclusively on the treadmill um, because we had record cold, cold weather, I think like minus 30 for several months. So you literally could not run outside. Like it just not for the speed work that I wanted to do. So I did that. And New York, I was registered to run New York at the beginning of January of 2020. And uh, I became a partner at my law firm, Jan 1, 2020. And this was supposed to be like a celebration run. Um, but then obviously got canceled. Um, I was allowed to defer to 2021, but I really didn't want to just because of the uncertainty of the pandemic. Um, and then I deferred to 2022. And once my quads, like my quads got destroyed in Mesa, like absolutely destroyed coming from flat, I was afraid of the New York City Marathon Hills, like absolutely positively petrified um, to run them. And it was like Operation Get Strong so that I could attack those hills. I'm sorry that I missed the, nope. I missed the marathon earlier this year. I was like, I was like, I can't. Sometimes you can rely on the Instagram yeah. bio. Sometimes you can't. Yeah. This like reminds me. Sometimes you go know, work a little bit harder on the uh, on the on the uh, uh, research. So my bad on no that way. one. Um, no, but I appreciate you saying that. So as you, as you're getting ready, so you as you mentioned ton of miles right so the, the mileage was not an issue again you'd run you've run what almost like two dozen half marathons at this point so you are an experienced you know endurance athlete and you've been putting in a ton of miles you're you know ex extending uh the runs during covid you run mesa so you have plenty of time to get stronger for new york when you say get stronger, that can mean a lot of different things. So in terms of like, you know, some people think about getting stronger as a runner, it means more long runs or it might mean more threshold runs or it might mean faster stuff or it might not be running late at all. It might just be like, hey, we're going to be you know, incorporating some lifting and some other things into the mix or it could be all of those things. So what did it mean for you and your coach? Hills, lots and lots of hills. So we had to get creative because I live in the prairies, which is, I, I think in uh, the States is kind of like the Midwest uh, where you think of just like super, super flat. And when we mean flat, it's like Chicago marathon flat, like flat. So you need to get super creative. So one of the things that I did was there was a bridge near my house and I would literally run up and down the bridge, do like sprints up the bridge, walk down recoveries. Um, the other thing that my coach had me doing was incline treadmill running, which is a special hell in and of itself. I will tell you that running um, at 3%, 4%, 5%, 6%, 7%, 8% incline um, is, is really hard. Like I will take speed work or long runs any day versus treadmill incline running. Um, but that being said, when I got to New York, it's not that I didn't feel the hills, but I felt prepared. And um, as prepared as you could be, again, for a prairie runner. 
let's talk about that because there's gonna, there's a lot of people listening to this who may live in flatter areas, um, either in America or Canada or wherever, yeah. preparing for Hillier marathons. Right? I'm thinking about like even people that I coach that can be running Boston in the spring and live in Houston or live in Florida. And it's like, you know, you have to be prepared for the Hills. And if you live in those areas, really the treadmill is the only way to do it. Right. Um, unless you're just like, I'm going to run over this overpass, you know, 35 times or something. So <laughs> it really, it does, but it, is, it can be a very useful tool with that in mind. So can you just give us some of the, the kinds of workouts that you were doing for, for treadmill inclined running? Yeah. So basically um, there is this, conversion calculator it's um like that you can find online but basically what my coach would have me do is he's a huge fan of progression runs um so we would have like a progression run on the treadmill and it again it would start at two percent for 10 minutes three percent for 10 minutes four percent for 10 minutes five uh five percent for 10 minutes and then usually my favorite and i'm being uh, very sarcastic um is like an all out at like a high percentage um, incline and you are not in any way, shape or form running. So for example, if I was running a 7.8 on a 0% or 1% incline, I would not be running a 7.8. You would be running at a 6 or a 6.2 at an 8%. And again, let me tell you, it burns and you want to quit and you want to hold the rails. Like it is mental toughness training. And then also because you're doing the treadmill versus outdoors, you get hot like really, really quickly. Um, so you're battling like the heat of being inside of your house or inside of a gym versus being outdoors. So it is, it is really good mental training. And again, like I love workouts. It's just like, it's going to sound sick, but I love workouts where you get pushed to the point where you want to quit. Like that's where I think the money is in training. Like you have to train to the point of where like you are so outside of your comfort level and that the temptation to just cheat, to just quit, to take a break. Um, and, and again, as I'm sure as a coach, like you give a, a, a threshold workout or you do mile repeats. And if someone pauses their watch in between the repeat, they're only cheating themselves. Like, so I've learned over the years, like if I take a break, if I step on that, the side of the treadmill, like he'll never know, but I'll know, like my body will know, my mind will know. Like, so anyways, so that's kind of like a sample workout that, that we, that we did. And it was only like once every two to three weeks. Cause it's a rough workout. Like it's super tough. Um, but then when you go do speed work on like a track, two to three days after that workout, you are flying because it feels so easy. Right. And what would you do for rest periods um, in that, in the interval um, session? So during that progression, there is no rest. It's like oh. straight 50 to 60 minutes of climbing. Wow. <laughs> that is intense. Okay. Now. All right. So, um, <laughs> You know, I saw that you mentioned so you had like in uh, an in-depth recap on, yeah, on Instagram of, of your of your New York City <laughs> marathon experience. And in it, you um, mentioned something that I spoke uh, at length about in my in my last podcast, talking about uh, with with Steph Martin talking about running by field, something that uh, her coaches her coaches have been hot on, which was great for her running in Indy, running into the wind of Indy and all of that. 
obviously running by feel also can be can be used really well when you're talking about running up hills also when you're talking about running in the heat so how did running by how does running by feel manifest itself in your training so i started running by feel i want to say was it 2018 i think it was uh april 2018 and i remember specifically because that was and it's not like I haven't failed at this since then. So I just want to be clear that it's not perfected. But during that race, it was a half marathon. And I was convinced that I was going to get this goal, come hell or high water, for a half marathon. I, at mile eight, I started slowing down. And I was looking at my watch. And there was nothing that I could do to speed up my legs. Like, I just didn't have the pickup. And I got into my own head, had a pity party, started walking. And then it was like, as soon as you start walking, it's a one run walk pity party till the end. And it is painful. And after that experience, I had like a real like heart to heart with myself and, and really say like, well, what is this training about? Like, are we only running for PRs or are you running because you love it? And so that was a hard conversation to have with myself because it's a big sacrifice of like time from your family. So I chose then and there, like, no, I love this because I love how running feels. I love how it makes me feel just in life. Generally, I love achieving goals. Um, and, and I am willing to let those goals happen organically. So from that time on, I have tried and the, most successful races that I've had since then, I don't ever look at pace ever, like ever during a run, um, like during a race, um, when I'm training and in you, like my, there's a few training partners that I have, even they can attest. I usually use the first 15 to 30 seconds to like dial into a pace. And then that's it. It's gotta be by feel like, so I really am quite in tune. Um, and this is, bad as well, because you also know when you're slowing down and you know when you're running slower. So, but it's kind of like a metronome. Like you just, like you lock in, it's like hitting a treadmill and your legs just like, I don't, I I really don't know how else to describe it, but you just like lock in. So I've been practicing racing by feel, um, since 2018, even my first marathon, I didn't look at my watch once And my first marathon, my splits between my first half and second half was 22 seconds or less. Like it was very close. That's interesting, especially for the first time, because I just try to put myself in your shoes. Like if I ran a marathon completely by feel, especially doing it the first time, I would bet that I would probably have a pretty significant positive (laughs) split. Because, you know, like you're, especially if you're trained well and then tapered well, you're going to feel really good in the first half, right? So even if you're like, I want to feel good, I just want to be low key, kind of ease into it. Even then, it's so easy to go a little bit faster than you should. Even if you're looking at your watch, it can be easy to go a little bit faster than you should. So, so. What's it been like for you in terms of having, you know, you're a driven person, you're a partner at a law firm, you've run a bunch of, you know, you've run a ton, you're improving all the time, you obviously have drive and goals and things like that. 
you also made mention in your recap that, you know, it's not like you were oblivious to what your potential time could be on a certain day. So it's not like you're running by feel and you're completely divorced from any metrics, stuff like that. So, so how do you incorporate um, running by feel while also potentially having some sort of knowledge of potential race pace, finishing times and things like that? Um, so I think the biggest thing, and especially going to like New York City Marathon, um, I, I, so one of the things that I will say about myself is I, I'm not like a normal runner. Like my first few miles of any race are usually slow. Um, and even when I train and do my easy runs, like my first mile is really slow. Um, naturally, I never just go like balls to the walls. Like I, I will have like it does take me a little bit to to kind of get into it. So I'm usually not afraid of starting out too fast. But usually by mile three, I'm dialed into the pocket already. Like and um, and I remember going up the Verrazano and then going down and and not like again, I wasn't, I don't even have pace on my watch. Um, so I was just looking at the time, but then by like this second going into the third mile, I was like, okay, like we can dial into marathon pace. And to me, that's a feeling. Um, like I know how easy it should feel at that point, just based on training. Um, and in my view, it, you shouldn't be pushing, like you cannot be pushing at that point or you're in deep trouble. Um, and if anything, I feel like I may have studied the course too much because I knew what was coming. So I, I very much ran conservatively. Um, but I remember hitting mile three and seeing like the 5k mark, uh, just like shortly after the, the three miler. And it was almost 30 minutes. And I was like, Oh my God, like, wow, I am running. Like, this is, this is really slow. And, and I had a little bit of, of a panic attack and I was thinking, okay, like I wanted to start out slow, but like, this is like, this is uh, a little too conservative. Did you have a time range in mind of like, what would be, what you expected to see? <laughs> so, um, I was expecting to see, um, under 345 if, if the heat wasn't there that day. So it was uh, the 345 was like under 345 was a pie in the sky goal. I did have, you know, an A, a goal, like every single star aligns, like chances are un unlikely, but like that was a, a sub 340. Um, but 340 to 345 was like, I think it's doable. Like, I really think that on a good day, I can execute this. All of my training indicated that I was actually fitter than that, but I didn't want to get too optimistic. So that was like the, the area that I was willing to dream in. Um, but when the heat, I knew how hot it was going to be. I very much adjusted my goals to like, really just be open. And the reason is I've had three races, uh, never marathons, but like half marathons in the heat. And I, I don't do well <laughs> in, in like really hot conditions. I, I tend to run really hot as it is. So I knew that I was going to have to scale back. Um, in my mind, I thought that a realistic goal, even though it wasn't what I wanted to achieve was like a 350 is what I thought was like, okay, if I slow down, that could be it. But once I, I hit that 5k mark, and I knew how hard it was already feeling, I, I honestly, it was like, 
I just, I have to, like, I have to let this go. And, and it was really tough, like very tough. Yeah. Let's talk about that because you're talking over a minute per mile slower yeah. than what you were thinking like a week before. Yeah. Right. So again, you're running by feel. So you're not like, you know, completely dialed into that. But if you're aware of your training, yeah. it's not that hard to kind of like have some semblance of what marathon pace could be. So all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is like, I'm running slow. I'm running my easy pace. Yeah. Right. Like your normal easy pace. So what, talk to me about that letting go part. Oh. Cause this is something that it's not like you're running your hometown race. You slept in your bed. You had a race that you've been thinking about for two years. Yeah that you flew to, that you probably spent a pretty good amount of money to get to, that you had invested even more like time and emotional energy into, and yet here you are at the first 5K checkpoint, staring down the barrel of like, oh my gosh, this is not at all what I was planning. No. It would have been really easy to be like, I'm just going to go out and we'll see what happens. You obviously didn't do that. So talk to me about the acceptance in that moment. So you, and I will tell you that I probably struggled, like, from the 3K mark till about the halfway mark, um, where I did have some negative thoughts like creeping in every once in a while. Like, so I made, I'll tell you kind of how I made peace with it, but that's not to suggest that during that time, the negative thoughts didn't try coming back in. Um, so at this point, I am feeling embarrassed like so embarrassed you're like I can do better like you're just like I can do better than this but you're like I can't do better than this like this is literally this is this is how it feels today um I I like I can't and, and you go with this um struggle in your your head about like are you actually pushing as hard as you can like are you gonna race smart are you gonna do whatever and then I really made the judgment call I think at that point that I I truly had to put my ego aside what I thought I could do, because I've done that before. I've done it where I've been bullish and I've said, no, I've trained for this. This is what I'm doing. But that results in like mega net failure. And, and then I could foresee me doing a five hour marathon. And again, nothing against five hour marathoners, but I could, and then I was like, well, I don't have enough gels for a five hour marathon. Like, and that was another thing that was going through my mind. Like, oh my gosh, if this is me at three miles, like what am I going to be at mile like 13 or 20 or whatever? And I just had to mentally prepare. Maybe today is just about finishing. Um, and maybe today is just about having fun because um, the, like the last marathon that I did, Mesa, I, I killed my goal, but I didn't have a lot of fun during it. Like I was, I was pretty miserable because my legs were in so much pain. So I just said like, you know, it's hot. You know, these aren't your like, best race day conditions. Like what can you control? Okay. Well, you can control continuing to drink. You can dump water all over your body. Um, you can take salt tablets. You can do your gels. You can have, you can smile and like have fun and just like continue to run by feel. And then ideally, and I didn't even think I could do this, but I was like, maybe you can positive split or not, not positive, negative split. But I really like, I thought these are the things that I could control and it was really, really, really tough. But I, I knew it just wasn't going to be my day out there. And um, based on, again, the effort level that I had, I'm telling you, it was the same effort level as my, as my tempo workouts with race pace. And it should not have felt that hard, but it did. And, and it was a crappy feeling. <laughs> Not going to gloss over it. It really did. Like, it was like humble pie, like a big, big dose of humble pie. Matt. 
And do you think that you felt that way? Um, was it simply the heat or were there other potential factors? I think it was the heat and the humidity. So, yeah. Um, like leading up to the to the race, I was like work is insane, but work is always insane. So it just wasn't. Yeah. Like I, I don't want to make excuses. Like it just, my legs just, it, and it was this weird feeling of like feeling like your body was letting you down. But I also was very deliberate during the race to thank my body because even though it felt mentally like it wasn't showing up for me, I'm like, maybe this is what showing up looks like today. Does that make yeah, absolutely. Now, talk to me about what you know. Obviously, it's it's New York, so there's runners everywhere, right? And we've and we've seen read about kind of the carnage on the course uh, and what the heat did to people. Uh, when did it be, start to come aware to you uh, that maybe other people on the race course were having a really challenging day and maybe weren't? Um, you know, and I don't want to, who, who knows the reasons, right? I don't want to like paint with a broad brush here, but obviously like, as we mentioned, like you negative split. So obviously you handled the day well. There are plenty of people who had very tough days out there and those people, there's not really a good poker face for someone who's struggling through a marathon. Like you'd see it coming a mile away. So what was it like for you as someone who was, again, you're, it's a marathon. So it's not like you were living like your best life. You were like super comfortable the whole time, but you were relatively speaking, you were. So what was it like to see some people not having that same experience? And when did that start to click in on the race course? So probably by mile 13, you could already see people walking, uh, slowing down, um, for sure, for sure, when we did the Queensboro Bridge, there was a lot of walking and a lot of heavy breathing. Um, and I remember just feeling like really, really strong, um, you know, and in every every step I took, it was kind of um, like, wow, like this is this isn't as bad as, as people described it to me. Um, so I like for the most part, when I'm in a race, I kind of zone out to things. Um, but I did see, I did see a lot of walkers, but I, for the most part, I, it's like, I have blinders on and I don't, I don't focus on what's happening. I don't focus like people passing me or me passing people. But I, I do feel that after mile 16, 17 is when I could see that I was actively, um, passing more people than were passing me. Right. So your first 5K was your slowest minute per mile pace. Okay. So 922. This is on the, the New York City app okay. um, tracker. So 922 pace for the first 5K. And then you pretty much, again, it wasn't a linear progression, but basically brought that down um, to around 908 pace in the last you know mile and a half or so, less 3K. So you know, we have some, you know, in case we have some, some Canadian listeners, you know, two or three K at the end, you know, try to, try to throw the kilometers out there, not just the miles. But with that said, um, you had, it was very consistent and, you know, slightly increasing speed. Now with that said, it's a hilly course. So sometimes when you have even maintaining a certain, a certain pace for that long a time, it can take an increased effort because you have, you know, your heart rate is, is, you know, is continuing to kind of drift up, especially in the heat, you get heart rate drift, you know, it doesn't mean you're running any faster, but your heart rate will continue to kind of climb up. The fact that you started going a little bit, a little bit faster every 5k or so, did it feel like you were trying harder? Um, what was just, what was that experience like? 
So I didn't intentionally try, like I remember after the 16 mark, and this normally happens for me at the 13 mark at a marathon, where I consciously say the easy part's done, you can start to feel like it's going to get harder. And, and I allow myself to kind of push into it a little bit more. Um, I didn't want to do this on this race until the 16 mile mark. So I would actually say that Strava in that sense tells the story a little bit more because you can see the progression that at mile 16, I did start picking up. Um, so again, not looking at my watch, I think like I increased my pace a little bit, but I was still really nervous about mile 23 because everyone said like mile 23 is like the hardest mile. Like it feels like harder than the Verrazano um, because of where it's placed in the course. So I would say that I did run and I pushed the pace a little bit, but I was still conservative because I was still feeling good, but I was like, well, you know, like mile 23 is coming. So I did push by the time I hit mile 20. Um, I allowed myself to, again, like if, if you could, if I, if I could show you like on a scale of like, this is pushing the most. And here I am, like, I was like incrementally uh, pushing the pace. Give me, give me, give me, give me some number range. We'll go from like, so like zero to let's 10. Let's see if I was at a six percent or like six out of 10 scale, I maybe was like, okay, I'm willing to go to a seven, like now, um, intensity. And again, I usually do reserve like marathon pace for me is like a six to a seven for the most part, because it needs to feel easy enough or you'll crash and burn. And I hate the feeling of crashing and burning. So I, I am always more of a conservative runner for sure. Um, by the time I hit mile 23, I honestly was like, this is it. Like, really? Like, this is what people were talking about? Like, this is nothing. Um, because compared to like the, uh, Fifth Avenue, it's like literally, it's just rolling hills up and down, up and down, up. And I was like, what's like, what's the difference? Like, I, I honestly could not tell what all the rage was about this mile 23. My husband was waiting for me at mile 24 and I had been running with this stupid water bottle, which did save my life, but I was really annoyed with it at this point. And I saw him and I ditched the water bottle and it was like this like thing went off in my head, which again, in hindsight, like this is what crushed me after the race was like my mind. But I, all of a sudden it's like, I, it's like, I woke up and was like, you're racing. Like go. <laughs> And, and then I did, and I picked it up like a lot, um, quite a bit. Um, and, and then I finished, but the fact that I could pick up so much made me, then I, then I was like, well, how much did I leave back there? Because I was running so conservatively. Like, so it's this kind of catch 22 where like, I did run a good race, but then you're like, well, did you hold back? And you'll never know because you can't re-race it. Right. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people who ran that day who would be like, well, let me tell you about how it felt on mile 23. Right. I'm, I'm sure you've experienced that. Right. Like uh, we did a, a CIM preview on Relay and it was the same thing. Like people talk about like the bridge at CIM, like a couple miles from the finish line. It's like it's not a hill. It just isn't. Yeah. But if you're if you're like dead on your feet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't feel great, you know, but like, there's like, it doesn't like if I've, I've run that hill or run walked that yeah. hill, it doesn't compare to the hills on my street. But like, 
because you're again because you're again uh, uh, dead on your feet. It just it just hits differently. Yeah. There is no question about that. Do you think? Let me put it this way: If you'd come off the Verrazano, yeah. And at the 5K mark, you had seen 2730. Yep. Right? But felt the same way that you had felt. Would have you started to tap the brakes and just being like, no, 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 hold on, going too fast? Or would have you, again, just trusted your gut, trusted your feel, and just kind of keep it going? I would have trusted my body. Yep. The only time I would have slowed down is if I would have seen a 24. Like at 24, even if I was running the way that I was running, there's no way I would have allowed myself to run that fast. So I usually only like, again, I, I gauge the markers to slow myself down. Um, there are runners and I know some of my friends who are like this, that they're very optimistic about their goals. And they think maybe in training, I only did this, but like magically on race day, I'm going to run way faster. Uh, I don't believe that about myself, like at all. I'm again, I'm very conservative. So if my if my training shows me that I could run X, I'll usually do Y and I'll, and I'll slow it down just a little bit just to be sure that I can do it. it yeah. So what did you learn about your training that you'd want to carry forward into future marathon cycles or just future training? Um with the knowledge that you obviously were prepared to run really well in New York. The fact that you handled everything um, seemingly effortlessly compared to how it affected other people, um, obviously it proves that you were, you were ready on that day. So what are you going to take from some of that training that you can use in the, uh, you know, into in the races ahead? So I, I'm a huge fan of loving your training. And by this, I mean, if I am not enjoying my training, I don't want to train um, because life is too short and there's only so much time that you have in your life, um, you know, at whatever age you are. So that I am a huge believer in like loving your training and I have to give like major props to my coach for truly keeping all of my like my training like really exciting. Um, we, we should say the coach's name. So Mike Booth. Okay. And he's like a local Winnipeg um, coach and he he was a former like elite athlete. And so he does like really fun workouts. Everything's time based. So that's another kind of difference that I would say um, I have with some other runners. So it's kind of fascinating um, on a marathon or on any race to kind of see the mile markers um, because normally I just run based on time. So and we do long runs like so. Um, the longest run I had during the cycle is three hours and 40 minutes. And then I had like three hours and 30, like several times, um, three hours. And how far did you go in those three thirty, three forty five? So the furthest I went was almost 24 miles, like 23.88. And again, I like never do round numbers and I'm just over it already. <laughs> like, I'm just like, it is what it is. So we do a lot of like time-based workouts. Um, and and then again, like usually two hard workouts, like uh, Wednesday's hard, Thursday, like I think I ran two easy runs and they were progression runs. But every uh, like every run on Saturday was like really like fun and exciting and like never boring. Um, and we we go back and forth between a really, really long run. And then the next um, week, it's like a short run, like 12 to 14 miles with some spicier speeds. Um 
but usually doing anywhere from like one mile, 5k, 10k, half marathon, marathon pace, all within the cycle. Um, so your legs are always gassing. Um, and then I, I've learned over the past year and a half to really slow my slow runs down. Um, and to just, again, check ego at the door. Um, and I, I'm proud to say that I do a lot of my easy runs, like my recovery runs at a five on a treadmill, which is like, I think it's like a 12 minute mile. Right. Depending on the treadmill. Yeah. Some treadmills I've been on, like a five feels like seven minute mile pace. I got a lot. Yeah. So I would say that I'm, but I definitely, I need more strength training. Like I just, I just need to do it. Like I need to follow through. So those, like, those are the things I would take away is I want to continue that that joy of training because I really truly love it, um, but I I want to somehow magically have a joy of strength training. All right, well, yeah. if someone is getting ready for a race that all of a sudden is falling into the same category that New York did for you, meaning oh the weather is not going to allow me to run the time that I'm you know that that matches my fitness level because of various weather or what have you. What would you tell that person just from a mindset, goal, and just a approach perspective so that they can have the best day that they can? So I would say that like you have to know yourself. So if you've never run in those conditions, at minimum, I would slow down. Like if you're a watch looker, I would slow down 10 to 15 seconds per mile for the first three to six miles at minimum just to see how your body is feeling, like check in with yourself. Is this affecting you? And knowing that it's going to get hotter during the day, like your body will naturally get hotter. So you're going to have to work harder. Um, I would also say that your fitness is never wasted. So a race day is not definitive of your fit. Like it's one indicator, but it isn't all the indicators of, of your fitness. So just because you don't get to shine this particular race or this particular cycle doesn't mean that your body won't know that when you start building for your next cycle. Um, so I would say it's, it's perfectly okay to just deal with the facts that you're being given. Um, so I am, I, I read one of like Matt Fitzgerald book. It's called the comeback quotient. And it talks about how like realists don't wish for things to be different than they are. Like they just, they accept it is what it is. And then you deal with it. So during a race, um, especially during a marathon, there's going to be a lot of things that happen. So for example, you know, you can start cramping, um, your, all of a sudden, uh, like your muscles are sore, like what happened to me during the downhill marathon, like they were burning, they're not going to stop burning. So I could wish for them to stop burning, or I could wish for it to not be hot. But me wishing it's not going to be hot doesn't mean that it's not hot or that it's not humid. So you can accept that it is, and then control what you can control. Um, and I would also say if you've never run a race for fun, it's it is fun. Like it's it's it is fun, and you can actually run a marathon with a massive smile on your face, and enjoy enjoy what it is, and like being able to laugh at yourself. Like, yeah, this was this was just two minutes slower than my first marathon, and it it was humbling because I know I'm fitter, um, but 
it, it wasn't like it wasn't my day and and that's okay. So I, I still think that you can always choose to have a positive attitude. Um, but you will have to keep making that choice consciously throughout the race because I think pride and you know, like wanting to have a pity party, that will continue happening um during, but you just you gotta let it go. And then I was also gonna say I did run a really, really hot run um this summer where it started out I think at 15 degrees um and it went up to I think 15 degrees Celsius people people are like wait what is going on how cold is it in Canada 15 degrees is hot yeah 15 degrees Celsius to 23 degrees Celsius and then just to give you um an example the New York City Marathon started at 23 degrees Celsius so that was a three I think it was a three hour and 30 minute run it was one of my long ones and I had speed work at the last hour and I couldn't like my legs were just like, nope, nope, this is all we got. And I tried and I tried and I had to stop that workout for two to three minutes and like mentally kind of reframe and say, it's hard and this is the point of training and it sucks right now. So like get over yourself and let's, let's finish this. Um, And then I had the same run, um, I think it was like three to four weeks later, 10 degrees colder, 15 degrees colder. And I crushed that workout, like crushed it. And the only difference was the weather. Like, so I, it wasn't lost on me that the weather can affect. And for people who doesn't like hats off to you, uh, like a it affects everybody. It's like, it's like, it's like altitude. Yeah. Like it, it affects us differently, but it affects everybody. Yeah. So I'm just like, I knew, I know myself and I know for me, it affects me. And I just, I knew that I could either run and crash and burn and have a miserable race, or I could run based on feel and really enjoy myself and know that my time is coming and, and I can wait for that to, to come. And when it does, it'll be that much sweeter. So, right. And as you mentioned before, like it doesn't, not everything has to be nope. a PR. Nope. And like, I'm, I, I would venture to say that this was a pot, a very positive marathon experience yes. for you. You know, no matter the time. Yeah. It was like the people of New York were electric. Like I was able to high five so many people, so many kids. I had my name on my shirt for probably 17 to 18 miles. till the water tore off the sticker. Um, but I would point at my shirt and I would like pump up my fist and people would go wild and you feel like a celebrity and it's really exciting. And it's also really exciting to get, this is probably like the fastest last 6.2 miles of any marathon comparatively like to, to that race where like, I felt so strong and it was amazing to feel that strength and and to just be like let's go like let's do this thing yeah so that is awesome it was positive maria thank you so much for coming on the show today and and telling us all about it because it was it's something for us all to learn right and having those experiences where we just we don't have a choice we have to check our ego out the door or be willing to completely sacrifice the race yeah. to the to the weather gods um and just say all right well because i know some people who are like i'm running my goal time anyway i didn't come here i didn't come here to you know to you know have a plan b and it's like well you know you can guess how that went for them again 
I don't know if they regret it. They just, they went into the, it's not like they were first time marathoners. They knew what they were doing. They just said, oh, well, you know what? Whatever. Putting all my chips on red. Yeah. Like, here we go. So, <laughs> you know, we'll see how it goes. But thank you for coming on and d- describing all of this because I know it will help so many people no matter what race they choose to do. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. Last thing before we get going, I love following you on Instagram, uh, where if someone wants to check in, this will be in the show notes as well. But where can they find you? At Maria underscore loves to run. There you go. Maria, thanks again. Yeah, thank you. Have a great day.